Welcome to Food and Loathing, the weekly vacation for your ears that helps you plan the next vacation for your belly. Coming to you from the vacation capital of the universe, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, when I say the universe, I'm only referring to a single universe, not all of those universes I had to try to keep track of watching the new Spider-Man movie on my oh, wife's man. in-flight entertainment system, because <laughs> mine didn't work. Thank you very much, United. <sighs> I will never understand the multiverse, but uh, I've, yeah. we're, what, a minute in and I'm digressing the hell out of this thing? I don't even know what I'm talking <laughs> well, about anymore. Say, I can say I finally saw the Batman movie, and that's a whole new Batman universe I now have to get used to. Yeah, you know what? I always feel, I don't mind the people who love multiverse stuff. Um, you know, that that's all cool yeah. if you're enjoying it as, as a viewer or a watcher or a reader, but I think it's a lazy way to write. I think it, it doesn't force you to make the kind of commitments as a storyteller that a good storyteller should be willing to do. It lets you just indulge everything, and it's an undisciplined way to write. Well, that's so, the um, full digression now. Yeah, so now we've gone off on a deep thing, and I'm never going to be hired by, um, what, Paul Feig? Is that the guy? <laughs> is that his name? Whoever the Marvel guy is. He's never going to hire me to write Marvel shit. But uh, what I should be telling you about right now is that I'm your host, Al Mancini, an opinionated bastard, and joined, as <laughs> always, by the one and only super producer, Mr. Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. Hello, hello. Uh, in case there weren't enough hints in the intro, I'm fresh off a mini vacation in San Jose del Cabo, which is kind of the ritzier big sister of Cabo San Lucas. And um, I was there for a wedding. Our friends Dawn and H from 17 Agency, congrats to you guys. While I had a lot of fun times there and a lot of good food, there wasn't a lot of food for me to tell you about other than the STK stakeout post <laughs> in the Cabo airport, which I got to admit is pretty cool. Did also, they blast disco at you in the little space there in the food court? The they SDK? did not, oh, but I got the mini well. burgers and some mac and cheese, and it was good. Oh, okay. Um, also, I'm coming back from vacation. Rick Moonen is on vacation this week. We've got a big centerpiece interview coming up, so um, we're kind of doing a, a, I don't know, kind of shortened version. We don't have a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, well, uh, just for a second, let's uh, say where we are in this uh, beautiful little hidden away space that will be open again someday to the public. Yes, we we are, we're coming to you for the, this segment in the bottom of the show as well from um, Sarah's in the back of Mabel's Barbecue in the soon-to-reopened Palms. We just got finished chatting with Michael Simon, but that's not coming up until next week. Um, but yeah, man, there's a lot going on in Las Vegas. But with regard to what we've done this week, my offerings are limited since I wasn't in yeah. town very much since last we spoke. I'll tell you that I went to a little um, get-together at Dom DeMarco Pizza thrown by my friend Mitch Schneider in the one day that I've come back. Mitch is a um, legendary music publicist who re relocated to our town during the pandemic. I spent some time chatting with Ava Berman, who owns Ooh. Backstage Billiards and the Fremont Country Club. We were swapping punk rock war stories and hearing about the restaurant she plans to bring to the new hotel she's building in downtown Las Vegas, oh, a boutique a hotel. From scratch, or is she repurposing some old building? She's building it from scratch. Wow. She said about 300 rooms. She said it's gonna be right behind there. Um, right behind Backstage Billiards. Uh, she's got some partners, I believe, who are involved with the Four Queens. I don't know how much of this is on the record. I think all of it was <laughs> um, with the Four Queens and Binions. Jason Braceland actually wrote a bit about it last summer in the RJ Magazine. So I'd encourage you to go look for that if you need more details. It'll bring you up to speed until I can maybe get her on the show. For now, I will mention that she plans to resuscitate the Velvet Margarita brand she once operated in L.A. and bring some of her other 
LA names to that hotel when it opens. And she's planning an ice cream spot called the Friesmont Experience. Oh, man. Which I kind of like that name. Yeah, that I don't know. Works. I, I like a good pun. You know, I got nothing against a good pun. Have the zip line uh, special. Yeah, right. Um, she She's a very cool, very cool woman. I do look forward to chatting with her. She's saying, like, groundbreaking by the end of the year and then 11 months to put this thing up. So, um, you know, we could be seeing it not too long from now, but we'll have her on sooner. That's all I got for now. Rich, can you lend us a hand and tell us oh, about yeah. what your week has been like before yeah. we get to our segment on the great vegas festival well last week we talked to the folks uh toasted gastro brunch we talked about that a little bit and you gave me a nice uh, gift card so i went over there the new one on flamingo and we had a really nice lunch it was packed i mean this place has been open three four days by by then maybe well, wait you went to the one on flamingo is that the old one, no, or that's, the new one? The, that's the one that's been open oh, okay um the one that just opened is the one on the rainbow. rainbow okay yeah. well we went to flamingo and it was packed 20 minute wait but we went right to the bar which is really not much of a bar uh but more like a very good seat to the open kitchen so we saw things going on there uh joanna had the sausage and eggs in this case a nice portuguese linguista uh, a lot milder than most linguices I've had around here. Usually they're kind You've of You've had hard. a lot of linguices I've had like Lux, two or three, yeah. <laughs> okay. I uh, just, you know, want to try it, and it's on the menu, but... I, I love it when you take a break from the fast food and you shock me with your linguisa yeah. critique <laughs> there. Uh, although I, I, I'm not a huge fan. It is kind of harsh now that I've had it in a couple of different places. This was nice and mild. I would actually order that next time at, to at uh, Toasted Gastro Brunch. I had a southern fried chicken Benny. I, now, I've learned the hard way that you always ask for the hollandaise, or in this case, the bechamel on the side. Otherwise, it overwhelms the eggs. They always put way too much of that stuff on, regardless of where the place is. Uh, the breaded chicken was a little overcooked. It was near black, but the chicken inside was fine. I ordered a seat. Can I just? Salad? Can yeah. I, I just want to clarify, just to make sure, because yeah. I hope Sammy's listening. So you have not experienced it with too much sauce at a toasted. You just, in general, find that there's yeah, too much yeah. sauce. Yeah, yeah. Every place I go, I always, for years, I ask for the stuff on the side if I have a Benny, which is not that often. Okay, cool. Uh, Caesar salad, grilled cheese sandwich. I got to go. Uh, they held up very well, even five hours later. Uh, you know, you microwave a, an old grilled cheese sandwich, and it becomes sort of a knife and fork sandwich then and it was very good and it satisfied very well uh, i still have about 30 dollars left on that gift card so i may be heading that back that way when we are done uh, at home this week nothing much new to add i had a nice ribeye at whole foods uh, not feather blade not uh, <laughs> echo and rig uh, outside on the grill baked potato and spinach pretty plain but pretty good south asian curries we do that a lot at home uh, you know, chicken in this case, boneless thighs, red onion, r onion, red pepper, bok choy, a can of coconut milk, and half of one of those tiny cans of curry paste. That's about all we can handle on the heat side. Pour that onto white rice, crack open a couple of beers. It's always a winner. But just because I know you, you need to know, junk food beat, some family Chinese strip mall I can't even remember. Maybe it was on Charleston. Maybe it was on Sahara. And yeah, I went to KFC for the first time in months, and it's exactly what I wanted and needed at that moment, and exactly what I expected. Well, that you can say that about your your picks. They're usually places that give you the exact same thing every Dependable. time you go in there, there you and go. that's why they make billions of dollars, and they don't get James Beard awards. <laughs> Everybody hates them, but the people. Right, and ain't nothing wrong with that, you know, man. Give the people what they want. Get rich doing it, I suppose. I've yet to be able to do that. Um, coming up, news on a shackingly delicious cookbook. I, see I what told you, did you I'm there. into puns, yeah. man. 
a couple of restaurant openings and some celebrity chefs who are in town. But first, the Great Vegas Festival, formerly the Great Vegas Festival of Beer, is just a week away, and we have the lowdown on what to expect at the renamed Bash. This is Food and Loathing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And it is beer time, or maybe festival time, or beer festival time. Anyway, it's time, and you will find out what time it is here on Food and Loathing this week. We are coming to you for this segment from one of my favorite locations in Las Vegas to record this, Artisanal Foods, because I usually always end up going home with like something really tasty and delicious. Um, and we are going to be joined by the owners of Artisanal Foods, or two of the owners of Artisanal Foods, momentarily. But for th- right this moment, I am joined, other than, of course, Rich Johnson, by Bob Barnes and Brian Chapin. Now, you should all know Bob. He's done this show several times in the past. Bob is our resident beer expert. Whenever I need to talk about beer, Bob's the guy I call. He's Nobody's been writing about beer in Las Vegas longer than he has. He writes for Gaio, um, which, of course, is a great foodie resource, and pretty much anybody else that has a beer issue. Bob, what did I get wrong about you there? Well, nothing. I'm about 22 years that I've been uh, writing about beer in Nevada, especially Las Vegas, and I'm also writing uh, quite a bit for offthestrip.com currently. Awesome. Um, and we have Brian Chapin. Brian, I have interviewed many times over the years. He is the man behind the Great Vegas Festival of Beer. At least that's what I knew it as. But now it's just the Great Vegas Festival. And that's coming up on April 22nd and 23rd. That's why we have you here, so we could chat a bit about about this event that's coming up. But Brian, first, how are you well, It's today? good seeing you again. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Good. Thank you for asking. I'm glad to see you again. It's been a minute. It it's has. It's been a minute since I've seen a lot of people, so it's great to uh, to get reacquainted. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Last time I was one at your events, I think I was judging a taco throwdown. We were at the Zappos building. We were. And that was a lot of fun. And that was actually... Just, yeah, I'm going to go deep into the weeds of my memories of your <laughs> events. I remember that was the first time that I'd sampled any Tacotarian cuisine. That's they right. They were there with John Simmons for yeah. Firefly doing vegan tacos, and those were delicious. And, of course, now they're not only um, you know doing amazingly well here in Las Vegas with multiple locations, but they're going to be opening in California. So you launched Tacotarian, at least in my mind. You know, it's interesting. Uh, they're great, and they're, they're coming back for our VIP area on Saturday. Um, I love John. Yeah, he's such a great guy. And to see their success, you know, not only with 
with Tacotarium, but all those other brands, you know, Firefly. I mean, we yeah. obviously all remember that. And um, I love Kristen, who Chris, runs yeah. Tacotarium. She's, she's fantastic, too, yeah. Talk about somebody, you know, just we're going a little in the weeds here, but I do want to yeah. throw some love to Tacotarium because, you know, Kristen, for those of you, whether you're vegan or not, I think you've got to support that company. They're so locally focused, locally based. And if anybody was leading the fight to help local restaurants during the pandemic and try to get uber to lower their fees and get the county to pass the laws Kristen was doing that from taco terry and she would really she educated me so much so i want to send some love to them on that little side note but again i first tried their food yeah. at a great vegas festival of beer which was fantastic and also it's the first time that i ever had jamie trans um, about to bring, I'm just about to bring her up. Yeah, her salmon skin taco. Yeah, that's which, where she OG'd it. So that was the origination of the salmon skin taco. I just had it a few weeks ago for the first time in uh, several years. And uh, I showed up, and there it is still on the menu. So, yeah, the, she won the most creative taco, the Taco Loco. It was year one, 2017. And uh, she walked away being the winner of that with the, with the salmon skin taco. And every time I bring it up to her, I say, oh, this is on the menu. And she's like, yeah, I can't take it off. People... Yeah. People get upset. Right. So I bring all of that up just to show how deeply rooted in the community this event is and how much, you know, things grow out of your events and they really become things that we all take for granted among the foodie world. So that's why I think this festival is really important. And that's why I want to talk a lot about it today cool. or as much as time will allow. I have Bob here because, um, again, you, you started this off mainly as a beer fest. The first few years, there were no tacos. There were no food. Uh, it was it was I think you had some chefs that came down and cooked right give me the background give me give me the backstory on this event you know the long story short of it is that we started it um you, you know i started it as a, an opportunity to create a local event um in a in a time 2010 or so in which there were not a lot of local events we didn't have a lot of options as a community and there certainly weren't a lot of craft breweries as well uh, on the local side i think we only had maybe five or six so the idea was to you know create something local in Las Vegas in which I can hang out with my friends and meet new friends and uh, involve the the craft breweries who had not yet got a footprint in Las Vegas. It was just very early on and, and they were great, but just, you know, no one kind of knew what craft beer was. People always thought I was saying crap beer. <laughs> so I was like, listen, it's not that kind of fest. Uh, but anyway. There ain't nothing wrong with a good crap beer fest. I mean, yeah. I'll go drink PBR I'm down. Know, all day. There's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> but I would interject that at that time, Brian, that, that we had like maybe one or two beer fests a year. And when right. you brought your event on, it was huge because it was it was so huge. And I believe to this day, it's still the largest beer fest in the state of Nevada in terms of attendance and number of beers. So yeah, no, it's, it, it, you know, it started off with, you know, just an idea of Tivoli was having their grand opening. You guys remember that? It seems like wow. yesterday, but it was, that was 12 years ago now. So we somehow convinced Tivoli in their brand new, awesome, beautiful stone and marble <laughs> grounds and walls to allow us to throw their kind of opening first event. And it was a beer festival and they let us throw it there a second time, but we, um, we had outgrown it and I think worn out our welcome by that point anyway. But, um, you know, the first year I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about um, how awesome the, the locals were and how it was something necessary. I also learned a lot of what not to do. Um, and then from there, it just it just somewhat expanded, and um, we started the two-day concept um, uh, about five years ago. So, uh, in which we started mixing in some, uh, you know, pun, no pun intended, mixology of beer, and and now that's kind of even de developed a little bit further. So, yeah. 
So Bob, as a as a beer guy, what did it mean when this this event first started, and how's the Vegas beer scene changed? And do you think that this festival helped with that change? Well, without a doubt, it helped because it gave so much exposure to the local breweries, and and from from the very first event that Brian put on, he always uh, gave a lot of love to the local breweries and featured them and. And now I, I, I believe almost nearly all of the local breweries will be at this fest. So it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of experience every local brewery at one time. And so uh, I, I think uh, this Brian and the fest that he's done, the different events he's done, has been a huge boost to the, the local beer community. For you, Bob, as somebody who goes to a lot of beer festivals, what makes a good beer festival? Well, I think number one is the quality of the beer. I mean, I've been to beer fest where they just, people just bring whatever they want to get rid of, but, but the enormity of how many different options are at this beer fest, you're going to find something that you like, no matter who you are, what your beer tastes are. And Brian, when you're choosing breweries to be at this particular festival, do you have certain criteria, or is it just fill out the application form and write you a check? You know, no, and and we don't charge anything for the breweries. It's kind of the other way around. Um, you know, we offer an option in which the breweries can can participate, and either um, you know we we provide the ability to purchase some of their product, or um, they're able to donate, and then it all goes to the charities. Uh, and our charities have typically been. Uh, Keep Memory Alive, Boys and Girls Clubs, and then, of course, the Nevada Craft Brewers Association, uh, an association uh, focused on building craft beer in Nevada, uh, which is also a really great thing. And also, they've done a great job, Wendy and Robert, both with Craft House and Big Dogs, and just taking the reins and trying to, you know, grow, you know, grow craft beer from a, from a nonprofit standpoint and awareness standpoint. But no, I mean, we, we put the invite out and, um, you know, the idea is that we want a multitude of different types of, you know, breweries there. Um, we always want locals. And as Bob said, he's absolutely right. I mean, the first thing we always push for is the most locals. Um, we appreciate the support from every brewery, all the out of towns, the distributors and that type of stuff. But it's really like kind of a, a nice thing to see from a local level. Um, all the breweries participating in it, you know, it, it really kind of helps develop our culture and, and that feeling of, all right, wow, you know, we have our thing in Las Vegas. Like it's, I'm feeling this normalness of, of my, my local bar that I can go to. And it's, you know, whether it's in the Arts District or Henderson or Water Street or North Las Vegas, um, it just, uh, their evolution has been, you know, inspiring, you know, and, and that's that's the best thing. Another aspect I like about this festival is that, the fact that you're outdoors in, in a wonderful time of the year to be outdoors. Most times. You've been when it's not the most well, wonderful time. Didn't you have a really windy year that you yeah, had to that, move that inside? You, you better find some wood thing. to knock on right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, I remember uh, that twice. one because I think I was judging some food that year yeah, as well. Yeah, and back to back. We've, we've definitely had the, you know, tw- two years in a row and we've learned from that a little bit. But moving everything indoors, uh, you know, within four days and changing the entire site plan and the permitting. But, <laughs> but most you, times. You still made it work. Is it still. Yeah. We learned a lot, right? And and everybody still kept their spirits high. And I think that's kind of the the idea of Great Vegas. Um, and like you said, Great Vegas Festival of Beer, Great Vegas Festival, or simply Great Vegas as we call it. You know, the idea is it's a collection of all the great things on a local level in Las Vegas and some that aren't on a local level. You know, great beer, great people, great culinary, you know, awesome mixology, just just a good vibe, no pretentiousness, and people wanting to enjoy a good time and be around good good energy. How many years have you been in downtown Las Vegas, one one location? 
fashion or another. Yeah. Okay. So we have been, it's uh, 2014 was the first year. So we've learned a lot of things downtown as well. Downtown such a, that was really in the early stages of, of Zappos and, and um, the late great Tony Shea, uh, you know, really starting to evolve his idea of the downtown project it had not yet taken foothold. So the first year we were kind of on the streets, wrapped around 6th and Fremont. Then we did the lot for a couple of years over there, uh, which was right across from Atomic, which was a great thing. And, and now we've kind of landed in the uh, downtown Las Vegas event center, which is an unbelievable venue for what we're doing. I have doing. to say, I love being on grass. I know yeah. it's artificial turf, but yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's just so much nicer than being on yeah. asphalt. Yeah, and they've set it up well, and they've they've really invested into the space, um, and uh, and so it it is a nice little you know kind of a combination of streets and grass because we do expand outside and actually hit the streets on third and on third and everything. So, but yeah, it's been um, you know uh, chron- chronologically eight years, but we've been doing it for um, for this will be our sixth time downtown. I feel like if we go back eight years, the um, the center of the Vegas beer universe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> would have been Henderson, would have been the Arts yeah. District. But today, I think we might be able to say the Arts District in downtown or the center, but you guys are my experts. So if somebody's coming in from out of town or if they're just new to the local craft beer scene, how much has downtown grown? And is that the epicenter now, more so than the Henderson Booze District? I don't know about probably slightly more so because there's there's just so many all within blocks of each other the arts district has just exploded in terms of uh, uh, breweries and uh, great craft beer bars in fact they the city of las vegas has made brewery row where they recognize all the, all these wonderful places where's brewery row how did well, i not know there's a brewery row oh well <laughs> I, initially they were going to call it the the uh las vegas uh, uh Brew District, mm-hmm. but because at the time there was a brewery named beer District, district yeah. or Beer District, which mm-hmm. they've now renamed themselves uh, Neon Desert Brewing, which is, I think, a, a wonderful name. Yep. Uh, so it, it basically extends from Abel Baker on Main Street all the way to Banger on Fremont and then over to Tanea Creek over on Bonanza. So it's kind of a stretch, but but it okay. but it, it has uh, quite a few breweries uh, that have all opened up within the last seven, eight, nine years. Wow! And I mean, you can walk from place to place, of course, in the Henderson Booze District, but it's not really that natural city walk. You're walking through an industrial park, and I feel like right. walking through downtown Las Vegas just feels like a natural way to walk from brewery to brewery. Well, you know, it's interesting too, and you know this as well, Bob. A lot of the evolution of like really good production breweries and just breweries in general, um, they evolve, they start in industrial districts. Some of the best breweries I've ever been to are in, you know, industrial parks, San Diego, uh, LA, Portland, and they, they stay there and start there because, you know, the restrictions allow them to, you know, uh, you know, brew and do that other type of stuff. So I, I would say, you know, I agree with you, Bob, as well. It's, it's hard to pick an epicenter because I've, I've been down in Henderson at the at the district there. I've been to Mojave on Water Street, which is if you guys haven't been to Mojave yet, I know you've been. I mean, Griff over there and and Heather, they're they're just doing a great job. Really love what they're doing. Um, and uh, you know, you got to throw it up for the the old you know you know the old guard too. Like Big Dogs is still evolving. Um, they've 
Pasquale is one of the best brewers in this city. And we Hard have a pay. brand new brewery that just opened within the last couple of weeks, Las Vegas Brewing Company. Dave? I can't believe nobody ever snagged that name really? before. Where's that? It's it's the original Tanea Creek, mm. which was later PT's Brewing. I was going to say, that building's been a lot of things, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah, and, and now uh, Dave Otto, who is... Oh, man, he, he's, he's an a OG. Brewing legend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's brewed longer than anyone in the history of, of Nevada during the modern age of craft brewing since 93 I, I believe 9 well he, he was he started holy, holy cow. cow he started a holy few years cow after yeah that. while he was in UNLV and, right yeah, yeah. And, and he started uh, he, he he was an assistant brewer then he became the head brewer at holy cow which later became big dogs mm-hmm. he was a big dogs for a long time and then he went over to PT's brewing then PT's shut down their brewing operation for ridiculous reasons that I won't get into. <laughs> and then he brewed for, for a while at Tonopah Brewing, and now he's back to the same building where he was brewing out at PT's at Las Vegas Brewing Company. Well, congrats to Dave, and I want to get him back on the show sometime. I mean, oh, he's never actually definitely. been on this show. I've he's, interviewed you him gotta have him on. Times, He's so. a riot. He's a legend, yeah. Yeah. the brewing legend. He's from uh, he's from the Philly area. He is. He's yeah. from Philadelphia. No, you know, I he's actually, actually from New Jersey. Uh, right, like me. Yeah, kind of like me. Well, that's South Jersey, Philly. Yeah, me too. So he's from Cinnaminson, and I went to Cinnaminson in high school oh, so that's wow. the craziest part it's like i met dave and we're the only two people i know from cinnaminson so it's extraordinarily rare and he's a he's a great guy yeah cool so um brian could you explain to us how the days are split up between um between the two festivals and then bob i'm assuming you're gonna go on beer day right so i'm gonna kind of rotate you out and i'm gonna bring some of the food people into chat as well so right. um before brian get, tells us about the breakdown any last words on why this is a great festival and why it's worth people spending some money on? Um, just just for the enormity of the amount of beer that you can have all in one place. And the, and all pretty much every brewing style that there is, you're going to find at this fest. And, and all in a, a, a small area. We don't have to walk blocks and blocks. It's all right there. Cool. Well, thank you for coming and chatting about beer. I've been loving you. You wrote about the new Neon Brewery. I just saw you Neon writing Desert, about there. Uh-huh. Was that for um, offthestrip.com? No, actually, that was for, for Gaio. my Gaio Las Vegas Brewing News monthly column. Okay, cool. Where can people follow you, Bob? Well, I'm on Facebook, but also I have the uh, the Gaio Las Vegas Brewing News, which uh, if you just go to Gaio.com, you can find it there. Okay, you can also find Bob's list of favorite brew pubs, favorite places, craft beer bars, and his list of favorite um, beer pairing places on the Neon Feast app, which I gave you total control over, <laughs> and you did an amazing job on that. So thank you. We're going to rotate in our chefs. But in the meantime, Brian, could you tell me uh, a bit about how the breakdown is of what's going on on which day? So Great Vegas has expanded into two days and it's been that way, like I said before, for for several years. We started with an event called Mag Craft and uh, it started with beer mixology in which we wanted to kind of keep everything beer themed. And so we we got a lot of the breweries together and uh, and combined, you know, started meeting some mixologists because they would bring mixologists on to help. And we kind of just finally got to the idea and, and got to know, um, you know, some of the folks in, in that world. Adam Rains and I have uh, worked together on a couple things, including Madcraft. And uh, he's just a great guy over at Golden Tiki. And so um, he and I have talked for a while about doing something in the realm of a tiki-based event. And, uh, and so we decided to combine what we did over at Zappos 
uh, with a taco event, with uh, with a tiki competition. So Friday is actually spirits-based and the first spirits-forward event that we've done uh, ever as part of Motley Brews. Um, and the idea is that craft cocktails and craft beer and all of it, it's just another way to showcase kind of some of the awesome things that are going on in Great Vegas. Uh, craft beer drinkers love cocktails. Uh, and we just felt it was a, you know, the tacos are obviously a natural fit, but, but all of it being done on a, you know, a super kind of crafty, fun scale with lots of different chefs from uh, 12 different chefs and uh, 12 different mixologists, all from different cuisines uh, and all from different uh, styles of making cocktails, all competing for one, one side for tiki uh, dominance and the other for taco dominance. And so that's Friday. It's fun. It's a little smaller and more intimate in that regard. Um, and then Saturday is, is what we call the great tasting, which is the original event, the one day event in which, um, we're looking at 400 different types of beer. Um, you know, a couple seltzers mixed in by high noon there. Uh, you know, a little bit of something for everybody, but a lot of activities as well, you know, experiences like our silent disco is, is one of the most popular things there. We have karaoke going on. Um, lots of cool little activations and stuff being done, but it is a mecca for beer. It's a mecca for uh, folks who got VIP tickets for culinary as well. And I think there's 18 other uh, food and restaurant uh, uh, food trucks and stuff like that out there as well. So um, Saturday's more of that big daytime event where Friday is the more intimate nighttime event. On that Friday, that taco competition, you, we have two of the gentlemen who are going to be competing. They're our hosts here at Artisanal Foods today. It is Jordan Dunwood and John Batista. You guys, we know you from your empanada truck, your panadas. We know you from um, Ghost Unit Kitchen, which is more of a ghost kitchen. And it kind of says it itself. And um, we know you, of course, from Artisanal Foods. So what are you going to be doing for the taco throwdown? Are we talking about it? Yeah, we, we should do talk about it. We could do it. Um, I'm definitely for, you know, we have two different tacos. So Jordan's going to take one and I'm going to take the other. Um, for my dish, I'm definitely going to incorporate my Dominican roots. Um, so I know, you know, when you think tacos, you think Mexican or you think like it's so, um, you know, transparent that you could put whatever you want inside of a taco and it's a taco. But this will actually be a salute to my my roots. Um, so it definitely be um, stuff that I'm importing from the Caribbean, um, the ingredients. Uh, so it's good. It's going to be fun. <laughs> wow. OK, cool. Um, what? OK, so the day that they do it, just so I make sure I understand yeah. this, the day that they're cooking is the tiki drink competition is going on at the same time. They're both together. So we've got okay. the tiki drink competition and the taco competition. So it's all happening at the same time. And then there's some craft beer there as well. We have a, a selection of some local and regional craft beer as well. But the focus is the spirits competition and then the culinary competition. So John and Jordan, are you guys like trying to make sure everything um, pairs well with rum? And I guess that goes well with your Caribbean roots, right? Well, absolutely. A hundred percent with the Caribbean roots. And then as far as the other taco, honestly, I'm still, I'm gonna have fun with it. I'm gonna, I have an idea, kinda, but it probably won't be the same idea when I get there that day. <laughs> so I just wanna, I'm not even gonna share, not basically share anything right now because it could be different completely different i just want to go in there and have fun this is kind of something i'm used to I used to do competitions back in ohio a lot so it's just uh, i'm ready to have a good time have fun and just uh compete with some nice chefs some uh and get our name out there a little bit so that, that's the that's the aspect the outlook i'm looking at it with yeah definitely how hardcore is the competition aspect in your mind as a chef is like oh, kicking yeah. everybody else's ass really important to you or is it more about having fun a hundred percent i like to win i hate to lose <laughs> yeah. um yeah but at the same time 
this is a great opportunity, like you said, to meet some of the some of the well-known chefs, some of the greater chefs in this area, and just to be able to rub elbows with them for a little bit and have some fun and and compare and see where we where we line up and stack up against them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to be a nice experience all around. Yeah, I want to definitely want to take home the trophy, but just being there, experiencing it, and being able to try all the different food and do that, I think it's going to be a win-win regardless, man. Yeah, Honestly. for when you look at it from our point of view, I mean, when you say competition – Anybody will, you know, jump in there and say, yeah, well, I got the best this and I got the best that. I got the best sauce or techniques or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's the camaraderie. It's the fact that something like this could go on because we were doing this behind. I know Chef Jordan has and I have in my career um, in the kitchen. You know, it, it's the sous chef against the executive chef or it's <laughs> the line cook versus the dishwasher. that got a recipe. We've been doing this behind doors in kitchens for years, for decades. So the fact that we can actually showcase our talents in front of an audience and people appreciate appreciate the craft is something beautiful and as i said man i'm thinking back three four five years whenever it was that i judged that one competition and i can remember two dishes that were fantastic mm-hmm. that are now both one has launched an entire chain of restaurants and the other one has become a staple in a celebrity chef's restaurant mm-hmm. so you know there's some um, you know there's some history of mm-hmm. dishes that do well at this competition <laughs> going on to be part of the fabric of las vegas dining Absolutely. And then, you know, when you when you work in these uh, other restaurants, you know, you have an owner to answer to. So you have uh, a recipe and a menu that's almost put in front of you and then you have to add your creative things. But when it comes to competition, we are this is straight from our heads and in my case, from my roots. And I, I get to incorporate what I love to do in another dish. It, it's a beautiful thing. Brian, who's judging these tacos this year? You know, we've got some, I, I don't know if we're allowed to even talk about it yet, but because uh, we don't want any influence uh, right. being given, you know, and put out there. So we're we're keeping our cards held tight, but I can tell Not you. Not me. That. I can tell everybody that I haven't been invited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'm getting a ticket. <laughs> I so, go online and buy one too. Oh, no. So, uh, so, but I can tell you that they're, you know, they're both very well-renowned uh, folks that have been um, out here for a while um, and uh, been in the business has been chefs uh, at least one of them on a, on a very high level uh, and uh, it'll be fun you know from a, from our standpoint you know we agree completely I think having especially after you know everything's happened for the past few years we know how hard it is at, you know for everyone to get together especially on the you know in the restaurant side and in uh, trying to you know accommodate you know these events when you're short-staffed and sometimes grossly short-staffed um, you know the spirit of it is to get everybody together and have some fun and uh, so I think we all win, right? I mean, I know that's kind of a something that's put out there a lot, but the fact that we're able to do it and get so many cool chefs out with great energy and, and good spirit, that's the win right there, man, you know? Okay, so one more time. It is the Great Vegas Festival. Friday, it is the Taco and Tiki Throwdown. Saturday is just all beer all the time, from what I understand. And it's going to be at the DTLVEC, Downtown Las Vegas Event Center. That is that um, that big space where we've all seen a bunch of concerts that we were probably too drunk to remember. You know, we were down on Fremont Street before and after. Oh, wow, I'm remembering what I was on for a show there once. Yeah, oh, that's... (laughs) Surprised I remember it, but let's just say the... Um, the um, the blinking lights inside the D looked really weird after I got out of that show. That was a Deftones concert the last time I saw a show there. Also, yeah, so that's a great great place. Where can people buy tickets? How much are tickets? Uh, yeah, it's um, tickets are right now uh, starting at fifty, and uh, uh, I think there's a few more early entry for sixty left. Uh, we're in our last tier. Uh, you can go to uh, motleybrews.com or greatvegasbeer.com still. Is that a per-day price or is that for two-day pass? Uh, it's uh, it's 
$60 actually for the Saturday. And um, I think we're actually at 65 for Friday. Uh, and then uh, and then there's a couple of early entry tickets for Saturday at, at 60 as well. But greatvegasbeer.com, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, the event looks as it's going to sell out. Uh, and uh, so great time to get tickets and come check it out and be part of uh, something truly local. So I look forward to that event. John, Jordan, man, thanks so much for hosting us here at Artisanal Foods. Absolutely. Um, Anytime. Yeah, thank you, guys. Favorite Appreciate place it. to shop. Love we you will be back shortly. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news. The Great Las Vegas Coffee Shop giveaway is still going on, and the next contestants will try out their concept for the public this Friday and Saturday. That's today and tomorrow, if you're listening when this podcast drops, at the Vegas Test Kitchen. This week's concept is called the Tipsy Buffalo. So you've been to at least one of these things. How close is it to the stated concept of, quote, coffee shop, unquote? Um, well, the one that I was at had some, you know, some coffee shop style food. I think that they really tried to do it, but it was it was not traditional. I mean, you know, the pancakes were delicious, but they were ube pancakes, for yeah. example, right? <laughs> yeah. um, as opposed to a chicken fried steak, it was almost like a chicken fried Salisbury steak, right? Or a chicken yeah. fried hamburger. So um, th- there's certainly a level of creativity. The people that, that Jay Dapper's bringing in here are really creative people. So they're definitely putting their spin on it. And he seems to be embracing that idea. That, you know, that they are, I think, going to appeal to the the hipsters that are going to hopefully be hanging out in the Hunt Ridge area. Um, obviously, one of the concepts that's coming up is going to be a vegan concept. Yeah. So that's certainly not a traditional, you know, coffee shop concept. So I think that they're modern, but I think Jay's real appeal was the idea that you can go in, you kind of get breakfast at any hour, um, you know, it'll be open late. I think those were the things that yeah. he was looking for when he says coffee shop or diner. Um, but no, they're, they're not going to be, you know, this is not going to be your typical truck stop in rural Pennsylvania okay. food or anything S- like that. Or still, new, even New Jersey yeah. and disco fries, you know, on the turnpike. Yeah, it's okay. not going to be that. Still, if it says coffee shop, I expect to be able to get some bacon and eggs over medium toast and hash browns. Baseline, show me you can do that. Then go out and do Buffalo Trace infused uh, vegan pancakes. Yeah, I would be surprised if any if whoever wins does not have all the staples. But I don't think for the judges right now and yeah. for the test market that they're going to show off the staples. You know, I don't because it's really tough. I mean, you know, you you want to impress people, you're not going to make uh, you know the. Yeah. the whatever the yeah, yeah, yeah. sausage, egg, and cheese, you know, on a bun, which to me, that's what I want in a coffee shop. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. Know? That good old but, New York deli uh, yeah. diner thing. Yeah, oh, but I yeah. don't see anybody figuring they're going to wow the judges with that, but I would assume that that kind of stuff's going to end up on the menu. And wow me. <laughs> that's why I'm not a judge. <laughs> Since we talked last week to Marina Alvarado, we learned that she has survived the first two rounds of the Food TV competition show Big Restaurant Bet. In fact, she was one of the uh, top two in this week's episode in the challenge to create a dish that'll make money, that would be profitable, one with a superior profit margin. She went back to her blue corn mesa. She had a carrot taco. Masa. Masa. There you go. Uh, Truth be told, the competition was not that stiff, at least in my judgment. One chef who was eliminated later in the show decided that a lobster BLT would be the way to go. The host of the show, Jeffrey Zakarian, replied, Lobster, are you nuts? With that kind of inflection, too. Yeah, especially in a BLT, right? Yeah. I mean, how much you can charge for BLT unless you're at the Four Seasons? Yeah, yeah. Despite yeah, the right. huge price, lobster, as we know, is one of the least profitable items on any menu anywhere. I was, um, I was a little 
weirded out that when I was in Cabo, we went to the supermarket and I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy some seafood. And well, first of all, by the way, converting pesos per kilogram to oh, yeah. <laughs> dollars per pound is just something you should not do there's like ever somewhere. <laughs> yeah there should be if there's not they should put that on a tourist app but um but the pricing of the lobster if i did my math right was super expensive and i'm pretty sure it was it was maine lobster despite the fact that we were on the pacific coast oh, right it man. wasn't spiny lobster they, I, I saw claws on the bastards that were in the tank brown so yeah yeah oh, um no, no. yeah so i don't know why i brought that up but it was oh weird. well um, we have a couple of restaurant openings to tell you about. The third Las Vegas Nobu quietly opened its doors with little fanfare since we've last spoken. It's now seating customers at Paris Las Vegas, which, as I've mentioned in the past, is having its own little culinary renaissance. Nobu. Rich, are you a Nobu fan? I've only been a couple of times to the one at Caesars, and it's been several years. It was a wonderful experience. I couldn't tell you today what I had, but I like that. I like the food. I like the whole vibe of the place. I love that little hallway with Nobu and the Nobu Hotel, and now there's the uh, uh, cigar bar across the, the hallway, and unfortunately, Cleopatra's barge is closed, and that little bar there. I always love just hanging there and watching traffic go by. So Nobu, yeah, I like it, but it's been a while. Well, you know, I say the same thing about Nobu every time the topic comes up, and I'm going to scream it from every rooftop for as long as I can. Nobu Matsuhisa is a fucking genius who revolutionized food in this country. And the only, if anybody tells you that his food is passe or, you know, he was so 30 years ago or whatever, <laughs> first of all, they're, they're, they're idiots. But secondly, the, the reason the thing that he suffers from most, I mean, he doesn't suffer at all. He's a gajillionaire and yeah, yeah, yeah. him and Robert De Niro making bank everywhere you go. But the, the only thing he suffers from is that his dishes, which were the first real little taste we had of Nikkei cuisine in America, um, which is South American meets Japanese. His dishes are so damned good that they have been imitated by everybody on the planet if you have ever had yellowtail with ponzu sauce and a chili pepper on it that's because nobu did it his rock shrimp you know the fried yeah. rock shrimp everybody rips those off his miso black cod is brilliant his um his his rice his sticky rice with this the tuna on it all of these, you can get some of these practically in a TGI Fridays. You've had knockoff versions of them so much, you forget how fucking great the originals were. <laughs> you owe it to yourself to crack open your piggyback and go to a Nobu. Go to the one in the Paris. Go to the one in Caesars. Go to the one in Virgin. They are all great. And rediscover those classics. No, they don't pay me to say this shit. Oh, yeah. I just love Nobu. And I'm thrilled. You can't have too many Nobus in this town. Another location that is getting a bit more delicious this weekend is Area 15. The complex's new immersive theater opens today with virtual trips. To, oh, I'm sorry. It's called Illuminarium, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't write the name it's down on this. New but thing, new section of Area 15. Yeah, and there are immersive trips to the moons, the far an exploration of Georgia O'Keeffe's flowers, plus food from Kim Cantinwala and Elizabeth Blau. Yay. Um, I haven't made it to any previews, but I'm reading from the press release now. Lumen Cafe and Kitchen will offer breakfast items, small and large plates for all-day dining, a kid's menu of selection of grab-and-go options, um, an after-dark 
dark experience. Uh, I guess we'll have the opportunity to delight in Lumen oh. Cafe and Kitchen's late night menu. Um, I'm looking at some breakfast items, a breakfast sandwich, which I just mentioned yeah. loving, Greek yogurt parfait, berry breakfast smoothie. Elizabeth's always going to have some juice and some smoothies and things. You know that. Uh, small plate options like pretzel bites, tater top poutine. You're getting the feel for it here. Fish and chips and Korean fried chicken among the large plates. Burgers. Um, side items like a mac and cheese with Ritz cracker crust and onion rings. <laughs> so late. Oh, this is this I liked because this this after dark late night menu is going to include items like the hot chicken sliders and crispy arancini. And I remember running down to Vegas test kitchen when Kim Cantinwala was doing a oh. little test cooking there and he brought me out some um, crispy arancini. So I guess that's where those landed, which is on the menu here at area 15. And they were great when I had them in the test. So this place is going to be open almost 24 hours. It sounds like, or very early in the morning to have this kind of breakfast stuff. Is there anything else at area 15 that's open at 7 a.m.? Yeah, I don't believe it's open. 24 hours but it's going to be i mean people do go into area 15 pretty early okay. i don't know what the opening time is for it but you know it's a it's a tourist destination oh, yeah. right so people go in to do the omega mart and you know all the shit these were days they're going in for the bts pop-up yes intense across the street from the main building very There's bts pop-ups everywhere right? oh so. crispy cream is offering a deal on donuts that is pegged to gas prices for the next three Wednesdays, you can get a dozen original glazed donuts for the same price as the national average for a gallon of gas. As we record that, it's $4.11, which is about a dollar less than it is here in Vegas. Around here, a dozen Krispy Kremes usually go about $8. Some cities as high as $20. i am looking at you, Manhattan. I'm looking at you, every airport in America. I am um, thinking this is the worst idea I've heard of <laughs> ever. And I, a simple reason everybody's pissed off about the price of gas, right? I mean, everybody's yeah. pissed off about the so price of gas. let's remind everybody about it. So why don't you just remind people, and every time the price... I mean, they are clearly banking on the fact that the price is... They're hoping the price is going to go down so that when it goes down, people get excited that Krispy Kreme gets less. Yeah. But, like... If it goes up, it's, this is just another reason to remind us that we're pissed. And <laughs> no, man, guys, go back to giving away donuts when there's a shutout at the Golden Knights games. Then we were all happy. Yeah. You made us happy. You gave us a reason to associate ourselves with something, your, your food with something happy. Is that the thing now? I, didn't it used to be free Taco Bell? Oh, now it's tacos. But fuck that, man. Every time they <laughs> announce that, oh, we scored twice, you get free Taco Bells. I can say, wow, now I can literally say that I will not eat Taco Bell tacos if they are free because <laughs> i have not taken advantage of that and i go to a fair number of nights games where they yeah. score two goals in a period so um yeah oh, well. i don't like that i don't like it crispy cream like they need no sir rest. i don't like it Congratulations to my friends Matt Silverman and Matt Pyarski, the creative forces behind the menus at several local restaurants, including Hex Kitchen, Beer Park, Chayo, Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wabo Cantina, and Shaquille O'Neal's Big Chicken. The cookbook they co-authored with the basketball legend, which is entitled Shaq's Family Style, is now uh, now available. Wow, I can't even say regular words today. I should also throw a <laughs> shout out to Rachel Holtzman, who is credited as a collaborator. I don't know her, but I'm sure she did a lot of fine work. Collaborating. 
I don't have a lot of details on the book, but I'm hoping to have the mats or perhaps Shaq himself on an upcoming episode to tell us about it. For now, I'm just saying it's never too early to pick up a stocking stuffer for the Shaq fan in your life <laughs> and support our friends. Shaq's Family Style is available on Amazon. I checked this morning. It's $33.99 in a spiral-bound yep. edition, $19.48 in hardcover, and $14.99 for your Kindle. Although, I'm getting a physical copy, so Shaq can sign mine for me. There you go. I have just rebelled the last two or three years against everybody in the world putting out a chicken sandwich. But I did go to Shaq's over there next to uh, Ferraro's, and I loved it. I love his chicken sandwiches. Yeah. And, you know, Shaq is, um, I don't know how much of it's public, but, I mean, I believe Shaq's invested in quite a few restaurants yeah. in, in many cities. And the guy... The guy likes good food. I mean, his image is certainly for, for every man's kind of food. But, yeah. you know, and the Matts, I mean, they've been in this town. I've known Matt Silverman since he was um, over at Vintner Grill. Um, and, you know, he's just been attached to a lot of great restaurants. He's a fantastic chef. And I'm really a big fan of both of those guys. So I will buy a copy of this cookbook just to support them. Yeah. Finally, we have a couple of celebrity chefs in town this weekend. If you're the kind of person who's always on the lookout for celebrities, Michael Simon is at the Palms preparing for the reopening of Mabel's Barbecue. That's where we are right now. And um, Jean-Georges Von Gerichten is also in Las Vegas, presumably checking in on his restaurant Prime and Jean-Georges. I will be speaking to, well, we already spoke to Michael. That's going to be coming up next week. I hope I'm going to be seeing Jean-Georges tonight. I don't know if we're going to go on the record with any of that, but um, I'll be telling you at least a little bit about it next week. Uh, this is one, a little preview for next episode, one of the best interviews we've ever done with, with Michael Simon. Best interviews we've ever done. I think done. so. I learned more. I had more fun just listening. I chimed in just a couple of times, but you guys know each other for a long time. You don't have 19 restaurants without being good, Chef, and you don't have two dozen TV shows over 30 years without being good on TV and in front of a microphone, and we got all of the above. Yeah, and that's the beauty. I don't really have to do my job when somebody is as good as Michael <laughs> or as good as Bobby Flay or, you know, those guys yeah. that have been doing TV for a million years. I just kind of got to sit here and just nod and let them do their job yeah. because they're fantastic. So that's coming up next week. That's it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to all of our guests, Brian Chapin, John Batista, Jordan Dunwood, and Bob Barnes. Tell a friend about food and loathing. Spread the word on social media. You find all the handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, what the hell is wrong with you? Download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination from Indian to Irish to Italian. Whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire, you will find it at the Neon Feast. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. <laughs>